0: Oh boy, Just get situated here. <sighs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> um, this is going to be a challenging <laughs> day for me. Uh, my name's Kyle. Um, As of right now, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at H2O, and uh, yeah, if you've you've just gotten involved this year, um, or even this semester, then uh, you might not recognize me as well. Um, Prior to this year, uh, and especially this semester, I shared quite a bit more of the teaching load here on Sundays. And uh, as a result of just trying to prepare uh, and plan for a new church plant in Buffalo, a new collegiate-focused church plant in Buffalo, Uh, I've just not been as present in the pulpit. Um, And so I'll I'll be the lead pastor of uh, H2O Buffalo. Uh, There's 10 of us that are going uh, on this plant, and we're moving this summer so that we can settle in, uh, just prepare and get ready to kick things up uh, this fall. Um, Do you think it would be better to grab one of the handhelds or no? Okay, I wasn't sure how echoey I was. So uh, yeah, for me, today is gonna be um, bittersweet. Uh, You'll forgive me if I get emotional multiple times during this message, this is the only home church I've ever had since becoming a Christian. Um, and I've been on staff with this church for uh, almost 10 years. And so as much as I'm excited about planting a new church and I'm excited to go and do what God has called us to do, um, it's with a lot of difficulty, you know that I'm leading here. Um, today I'm going to try to explain why we're going to Buffalo. Um, and, and I don't mean, like, the strategy of why we're going uh, or, or, you know, why we picked Buffalo and all that kind of stuff. If you're curious about that, you can ask me later. But I, I mean the ethic, the heart, you know, of why we're going. Um, and, and we're going to really just dig into some truth in Scripture, and I think that that will help sort of illuminate, uh, really, the heart of why we're being sent out from this place. And so... Um, I'm going to open us in prayer, uh, one last time, and uh, and then we'll dig in. God, um, Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, I'm so grateful for how you've worked in my life and how you've changed my life. God, how you've invited me into your family. God, I'm so grateful for how you've developed me as, as a leader and how you've used me here, but also how you've grown this church and impacted people uh, uh, and, and reconciled so many to yourself as a result of the existence of this church. God, I'm so grateful that I've been able to be a part of it. And um, God, we just ask for more and more and more fruits uh, here on this campus. God, I love you. I'm so thankful for you, and uh, I pray this in your name. Amen. I'm gonna take a couple steps back here in hopes that that helps with uh, a little bit of the feedback. Um, So we're gonna be in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, and um, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start actually where Paul finishes in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, because he explains all this stuff about different aspects of why he does what he does, why he's living the way that he's living. Uh, But then he kind of caps it off with the main idea. And uh, so so we're actually going to start with that and then we'll work our way backwards uh, uh, later on in the message. And so we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. Uh, It says this. So from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, I love this section of scripture, and and this this stuff, this what we're talking about today, this is the foundation of everything that our church believes. That God is in the business of reconciling sinners to Himself. That He loves all people and He desires all people to have a relationship with Him. But we start at a deficit right? Like, we have all sinned against God. We're not at peace with Him by default. The Bible talks about how uh, by default we're actually enemies of God, and that even in that place, while we were enemies of God, He sent His Son to die for us, to be in our place. Even in that state, He sent His Son to pay the penalty for our sin. The last verse here in Second Corinthians 5, I think, captures it perfectly. It's one of my favorite succinct Verses uh, on the foundational message of Jesus. It says, God made him, referring to Jesus, God made him who had no sin, right? Jesus was perfect to be sin for us. God dealt judgment on Jesus as if he did have sin, even though he did not, right? So God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that. In him, right? If we are in him, if we have genuine, fruit-bearing faith in Christ, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, right? That the Lord would view us with Christ's righteousness and not our own, right? Thus reconciling us to him. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's desire for all people. Right, that, that all people would be reconciled to himself through the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, I'm going to tell you a story about a student um, here at UC from a while ago. Uh, the year is 2008. Uh, and this 18-year-old, scrawny, uh, probably malnourished uh, kid moves into Sadal Hall floor nine, and this young man uh, you know honestly came to college for probably the same reason most of you all did right like um, many of you probably have come to college just because it feels like that's sort of the expectation right you graduate, you go to college so you can get a good job and 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 uh and move on right maybe you hope to have a good time along the way, right? There's this college experience that a lot of people really hope for. And honestly, you know, if you get a good job that you enjoy, bonus points, right? Like, that's great. Um, And so that first night, this college student, he got to UC and a friend from high school invited him to a fraternity party. Uh, And he didn't know anyone else and honestly felt pretty alone, and so he went. Uh, He'd spend the rest of his freshman year pretty alone, pretty depressed, Uh, he found most of his identity in the long-distance romantic relationship that he was in. And here you see he didn't have many friends as a result of that relationship. The ones he did have usually just invite him to parties on the weekends. From the outside, he looked like a pretty normal college kid, but in his heart, he was trying to find some kind of joy, some kind of happiness or purpose. And these pursuits that he was chasing after ultimately were like grasping at the wind, right? You'd you'd grab at something in hopes that it would really fulfill you, only to find out that it would not. Things like romantic relationships, partying, friendships, like just hoping that people would like him, academics. The list goes on, but in reality, all of these just kind of a carousel of false promises. Eventually, when his romantic relationship ended of almost three years, he was pretty broken and defeated, right? He had felt like, man, all these things that I was chasing after failed me. And it was in that place that he heard the message about Jesus, that God wants to reconcile us to himself, that that's what we were made for. We were made to walk with him, to know him, to have a relationship with him. And he placed his faith in Christ and his life was forever changed. He began to love God deeply and and he began to care about the things that God cares about. And he just found this real treasure that he seemed to be looking for all along even without knowing it. This story, especially the part before this young man knew Jesus, is pretty common. There are lots of people around us, not just college students, that are seeking all sorts of things to fulfill them and, and give them life that could never do that seeking something to fulfill them. That young man, as you might have guessed, was me. Jesus changed my life 12 years ago, and I've never looked back, and without question, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's not even close. And I share this with you because that is why I'm involved with this kind of work and this kind of ministry. What I want is to find other people who are just like me and introduce them to Jesus. People that are far from God, seeking to find fulfillment and life and all kinds of things that this, in this world that will never fulfill them. Paul shares in this text that God is in the business of reconciling people to himself, but that we're commissioned to be his mouthpiece. That it's through us that people will ultimately hear about this good news that God loves them and wants to know them and have a relationship with them. And this, all of this is the foundational idea of why we're going. The foundational idea even of why this church exists. We exist to glorify God by helping one another become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And that's all people right? No matter where a person is, I want to help them move closer to becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. If somebody's far from God, doesn't know him at all, what do I want for them? I want them to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. I want to help them get to that place. If somebody already knows God, I I want them to help them. I want to help them be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That is the mission of this church. And ultimately, what we believe is that by sending out a team of people to start another H2O church at another university where there is a clear need, there will be more people that are reconciled to Christ. That's the idea. That by expanding and multiplying our lives in our church, more people ultimately will hear about Jesus and have the opportunity to respond to this plea of reconciliation. I just want to find more people just like me and introduce them to the same God that changed my life. That's the foundation of why we are church planting. Now, with all of that in mind, something I want to share with you all is, honestly, I want to start sharing with you the reasons why it doesn't make any sense for us to plant this church. That might seem like a strange place to start. <laughs> so I think it'll make sense later, but, but here, here are many of the reasons why I think it, we shouldn't go to Buffalo, okay? Um, and no, I'm not referring to the snow. Um, for the thousandth time, yes, We know that it snows in Buffalo. Um, As we've been sharing this news with people, just like, hey, we're moving to Buffalo to plant this church, honestly, the most common response I get is, oh boy, hope you're ready for the snow. And it's like, (laughs) yep, we know that it snows in Buffalo. Um, Thank you. And that is not at all chief among the reasons why we should not go to Buffalo, okay? So yes, we're aware it snows a lot there. Um, But yeah, first and foremost, the the, the best reason I have for not going to Buffalo is this, this church. I love this church. I love this campus. I love being a part of this church. I've loved leading in this church. I got saved here at UC and and I saw my life change dramatically ever since then. Uh, I've, I've helped lead and develop this church nearly since its beginning. I was here at the first Sunday service that H2O has ever had. Like I said at the beginning, this is the only home church I've ever known. Leaving here is deeply painful for me. I've lived here in this city for the last 14 years. I love this city. It's a fun city to be in. Great food, right? More importantly, almost every deep relationship I've formed since becoming a Christian is with somebody that lives here in this city. Some of them are part of our church, some of them are part of different churches now, but but all of them deeply important people to me. Of the seven groomsmen that were in my wedding party, all but one live in Cincinnati, and the one that doesn't live in Cincinnati uh, visits here frequently because his family is here. Speaking of family, while my family is about uh, equal distance from Buffalo as it is from Cincinnati, Lindsay's family, my wife, is going to be significantly further away, making it more difficult for us to visit them. Uh, We're not going to be able to just uh, skirt on up there on an afternoon like we did last Sunday after church, right? And in addition to that, uh, if we decide to have kids in the future, it will be more difficult to find time for them to visit their grandparents. There are a ton of people in this church that I care a lot about, many of which I lament that I couldn't have more time with. There are so many people in this room that fit that category. i invested a lot in a lot of people. I've discipled many men in this church. I've walked alongside many men in this church for years. There are dozens of people in my midst that I grieve over the reality that I wish I could have spent more time with you. Many of you are in this room. I wish I could have been a better friend or discipled you better. In addition to all of this, there's the reality that I am afraid. I'm afraid of the work that's ahead of us. The work ahead is not going to be easy. At times, it's going to be very emotionally trying. I'm afraid of the stress and weight of leading a brand new church with a lot more responsibility on my shoulders. How is that going to affect me? How is that going to affect my relationship with Jesus? Will I be able to handle that kind of weight? I've struggled with mental health issues and depression throughout my life. How will that play into all of this? There are lots of reasons why it makes more sense for me to stay than to go to Buffalo. And there are many more, honestly. Uh, You know, like, I could come up with many more reasons why it doesn't make sense. Uh, Our launch team members probably have many more reasons of their own why it wouldn't make sense to move to Buffalo. Why am I telling you this? (laughs) Why, why am I sharing this with you? I really want you to see that we're not moving because it's convenient uh, or easy. Um, we're not moving because it sounds like a fun adventure. Um, there are people committed to this church plant that don't have jobs or a place to live yet. Right? We're not moving because everything about this church plant makes sense. We're moving, ultimately we're moving because we're compelled by the message of Jesus to do so. We sincerely believe that by multiplying our lives in our church, we will see more people reconciled to him. I think what Paul says at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 5 makes a lot of sense out of this. So let's kind of go back and let's read the beginning of this chapter. Starting in verse 1, it says this, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So in that first section of scripture, verses 1 through 10, Paul is talking about how he's not at home with the Lord, right? He's, he's still here on earth, just like we are, in his heavenly body. And he talks about how even though he would prefer to be uh, uh, with the Lord in heaven, you know, for all eternity, which is coming someday, he isn't right now. So what does he do as a result of this? He says, while I'm here on earth, he makes it his goal to please him. He's making the most of his time here on earth. He knows that what he does here on earth has eternal significance. And so he's explaining why he's living the way that he's living. And so he continues in verse 13 by saying, hey, if we're out of our minds, it's for God. And what he's getting at here is he understands that what he's doing and how he's living from a worldly perspective, from the perspective of the world, it looks like he's out of his mind. It doesn't make any sense. Right? Why would you risk your life going to all these places trying to take the gospel message there? Right? Why would you pi- prioritize this work above anything else that the world prioritizes? Why would you do that? His answer? Christ's love compels us. And that those who are in Christ and have this new life with Him should no longer live for themselves but for Him but for him who died for us and rose again. (sighs) Listen. (laughs) I I don't want to leave here. Okay. Uh, I'm excited about planting a church in Buffalo, but I don't want to leave. I love the people in this church so much, man. There are people in this room and in this church and in this city that if it were up to me, I would never leave. Ever. It makes far more sense to me to to Live alongside some of my favorite people on the earth for the rest of my life. Makes far more sense to me to try and raise families with those people. Makes far more sense to live nearer to our own families. I would love to still be here, but listen, my life is not my own. And if you're a believer in Jesus, your life isn't your own either. I desperately, desperately want our church to have a culture that sincerely believes that, that your life is not your own. I desperately want our church to always be considering how they will lay their lives down for Jesus, not if they will. There are way too many people that have a life that looks suspiciously similar to how their life would look anyway if they did not know Christ. And if that's the case, who is king, really? Is it you or is it Jesus? I, I want to be here i, I don 't want to leave, but i 'm compelled by the love of Christ and um, as I was preparing it, it, this kind of reminded me of my time in the prayer room over spring break, so over spring break, there was a group of us that went to Buffalo to share the gospel all week, um, just do some evangelism on campus and um, really just meet a lot of people and, and kind of start to lay some groundwork for this church plant. And um, that entire time when we were out on campus, there was always a prayer room open, uh, usually with, I don't know, probably five or six people in there just praying uh, for the evangelism that was happening on campus. But uh, the first day, there was a period of time where I was just, I was the only one in there praying. Um, that's just kind of how it worked out. And And I really felt like the Lord reminded me and and shared with me that there are going to be people whose entire lives are going to be forever changed because we decided to lay down our lives and plant a church in Buffalo. And I just started weeping. I mean, just tears hitting the floor. And there were a couple reasons why that was, why I was crying so much. Um, The first reason is because I'm not very good at dealing with difficult things like saying goodbye and and to so many people that I love. And so that's something that I've just been kind of stuffing and not paying attention to for weeks and months, uh, just laying aside and not engaging with. And it kind of all came to the surface uh, at that moment because I'm just so sad about leaving. But at the same time, I was just so emotional because God was reminding me that it would be so, so worth it. That it is so worth it to die to myself that even one more person might have new life with Christ. Ethan shared this quote with us at Life Group this past week that I think seems really fitting. Uh, it's from Charles Spurgeon. He said this, If there existed only one man or woman who did not love the Savior, and if that person lived among the wilds of Siberia, and if it were necessary that all the millions of believers on the face of the earth should journey there, and every one of them plead with him to come to Jesus before he could be converted, it would be well worth all the zeal, labor, and expense. If we had to preach to thousands, year after year, and never rescued but one soul. That one soul would be worth the full reward for all our labor. For a soul is of countless price. If, if going to you be, and planting another church, even yields one more soul that can be reconciled to God than if we stayed. (laughs) It would be worth all the heartache and difficulty and pain of leaving here. You know, our our team, we've talked a lot um, about something we've begun calling gospel goodbyes. And uh, maybe it's self evident what we're referring to, but just the idea that for the sake of the gospel, we're going to suffer a lot by saying goodbye to people we love. And we're going to do that with the hope that despite this difficulty, more people will come to know Jesus as a result. And I know that there are people in this room that are going to suffer gospel goodbyes as well as a result of our leaving. That we're not the only ones. And really what I want to leave you with is, is that my prayer is that this church would suffer many, many more gospel goodbyes long after we're gone. As a result of, of Christ's followers giving away their lives for his glory and for the reconciliation of the lost My prayer is that many, many more people after us would lay down their lives and their preferences and their dreams for the glory of God and the reconciliation of the lost. That's really what I want to leave you guys with. Man, I, 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 I love you guys so much. I mean, there are so many people in this room that I've not even gotten the privilege to get to know too well, but I'm so grateful for this church. I'm going to miss this church. I'm going to miss so many people in this room. And uh, I know I'll see some of you again eventually. It's not goodbye forever, um, but it is goodbye for now. And so um, let's, let's pray together and uh, let's worship Jesus together. Um. God I'm so grateful to you and I love you so much God and um, I'm grateful for the work that you've done in my life and done in so many people's lives in this church Um, Jesus thank you God, thank you first and foremost that you're in the business of reconciling sinners to yourself, sinners just like me. And God, I, I'm i grateful that we get to participate in that work, in that mission. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen.